Good morning. How are we doing? Doing well. We're doing well. The sun's out. You know, I know that this morning is going to be a morning of miracles because it's a bank holiday and the sun's out. You know, so we've started. We started off well, haven't we? I think that the, the ladies particularly look absolutely wonderful. Maybe look look at a lady nearby you and tell them how beautiful they look today. Go on. Don't be weird about it. Not creepy. Not in a weird way. Not in a weird way. Right. So if. If you, if you don't know, uh, you maybe you haven't been to this church for a while, um, and, you, and you've, you've never seen kind of this, this face before. Uh, my name is Josh. Um, I'm 21 years old. Um, I, I work in an accounts practice on the edge of the city, um, and I, I, lo- I kind of love what I do. I get to deal with people, and I get to deal with kind of people's money all the time. It basically means um, that pe- like sort of, I deal with smaller, medium-sized businesses, uh, and uh, they, they send in their accounts, and I basically put it in what's called a statutory format, which is very complicated. It basically means you can Submit it to HMRC companies, house you all know those sort of places, yeah. So my my passion, my what, what I'm really passionate about though is 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 um, is my youth work, and um, I, I have the absolute immense privilege of being able to um, lead kind of the team that runs the youth here at Riverside. Um, and I, I want to tell you that God is doing something really cool in the young people's lives here. You know, and I, I, I know I, every time I get the mic, I'm going to bang on a little bit about the young people, only because that's kind of I, I really believe that actually sometimes this generation I feel is getting a bit of a write off. You know, this younger generation coming through is getting a write off, but actually I feel. They are so significant, you know, that actually there are, there are people that sort of are, that are, we need to be invested in the next generation of our churches, you know, because it's so important. If church is going to survive in 5, 10, 20 years' time, start investing now because you're going to see the fruit of that when it comes to it, yeah? yeah. Cool. So um, the topic I've been given, uh, a nice one. I think, that, I think what must have happened when, it, when the topics were being divvied out was I wasn't in the meeting. Uh, and then so everybody put their hands up for the nice ones. And then it was like, what have we got left? We've got... I've got to talk about money. We'll, uh, we'll give that to Josh because he's an accountant. <laughs> so, well, I think when we talk about, when we talk about money, the first thing I, I've got to say is this isn't going to be the Josh Richardson's five quick steps to get rich fast, you know? This isn't going to be where I give you five easy, easy ways and you go out with rich, richer wallets than you walked in with, you know? But what I do believe is, and I, I generally have been feeling uh, this, this word is significant for people this morning. Um, and I, 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 I've been birthing it and kind of as, I, as I've been praying and preparing, there's something that's going to be significant. So you may not leave this morning with richer wallets, but I pray that you leave with richer hearts, you know? Sold out for following Jesus. You know, the thing is, in, when we're glorifying uh, Jesus, and that's what this is, life winning, life winning finances, that's our series. It's all about how can we glorify Jesus? If Jesus is everything to us, and we're saying he is as Christians, how can we glorify him with our finances? And I don't know if you're rich or you're poor, or maybe you're somewhere in between the two of those places, but the biblical principles I'm going to look at today, I'm going to run through from the Sermon on the Mount, I feel are really, really important in being able to use the financial resources that we've got to glorify, you know, Jesus. So who's ready? Are you ready with me? Are you, re- are you ready with me? Let's pray. Father, I invite your Holy Spirit to come and meet with us now. Will you, kind of, will you give grace to my words? Um, will you maximize them? Um, and will you really begin to sow them into the hearts of everybody who's willing to receive them this morning? Father, maybe where we've come in and we're not sure if we have kind of got that soft heart. Jesus, will you give us a soft heart to receive your word? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Cool. So can we go to the next slide, Martin? 
I appreciate the take, guys. They get a bit of a tough rap, don't they, when it all goes wrong, but they, uh, they do a great job. So this is a kind of like, if you've been coming for the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the Life Winning series. One of the fundamental principles to that is this upward, inward, outward, kind of this upward, inward, outward idea. That kind of, it all starts with an encounter with God, that when you find God, which is what our vision is for the church, and then you move on to following Jesus, that you find God, you kind of find out who he is, you find out about his character, you know, that's the starting place. You then move on, and when you realize who God is, you automatically realize actually who you are in comparison. You go, oh, wow, there's some stuff that I need to sort out here. And when you're focused on upward, the inward kind of takes care of itself, yeah? We then move on to outward, you know, an important stage sometimes. Every one of these stages is neglected in church sometimes, you know? And there's, there's each, at each level, you can kind of pick a level and say, oh, yeah, sometimes that gets left behind. The outward is so important, you know, that when you have been filled inwardly, you should, the natural progression is just that, come on, let's just go out. Let's go out and do it. And uh, sometimes, sometimes we can kind of fall into this trap of looking at our vision here of finding God and following Jesus just as a one, two point. That you, you start at one and you go to two. And I, I, I kind of want to say that's not actually quite right. Because when we find God, yeah, we initially find God. It starts there. Yeah? When we become a Christian, you find God and you, then you learn to follow Jesus. But if you, when you start following Jesus, you learn you know what Jesus did. Jesus would spend time removing himself from the noise and he would spend time recalibrating his heart with the Father, you know. And so what I want to say is sometimes don't get caught in the kind of just the one way that you kind of you find God, you follow Jesus and you stay following Jesus forever. You need to be finding God. You need to be following Jesus. You need to be finding God daily, you know. You need to be spending time with the Father because when you find God, that's your center, and then you can, you can, you're then equipped to live. If Jesus found God, he was Jesus. Yeah, so we should follow as well. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Right. We're gonna, uh, we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount. So uh, we're gonna, I'm going to take on from... I'm going to jump around a little bit. So I'm going to mostly be based in Matthew 6. Um, but I'm not going to go... I'm kind of like, just kind of like break your brains a little bit. I'm not going to go in kind of like the linear order. Uh, I'm going to kind of follow the themes of upward, inward, outward. Because I feel that's significant this morning. So we're going to start in Matthew 6, 25 to 33. Who's got your Bibles this morning? Come on, the Word of God's important. This is what it says. It says, This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildfires that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows your needs. That's cool, right? And then listen to this. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. He's going to give you everything you need. You know, have you ever heard the phrase that money makes the world go round, yeah? Heard the phrase? Two people have heard the phrase. I want to actually sort of kind of disband that. I don't don't think that's correct. I think that God makes the world go round. You know, God makes the world around. He's created in creation the, the whole system. And you go, well, wow, Josh, actually, it's the scientific gravitational pull and stuff like that. Who, do you, you know, God, he put that in place that it operates, you know? 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, For the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, 
My, uh, my first job when I came out of college was to uh, work for Exeter Cathedral. Um, and I worked in their finance department. And I basically what I did there was I was in charge of something called the purchase ledger. All that means is every time the cathedral bought something, they would give an invoice and I would process that. I would process the uh, purchase invoices, the kind of the expense claims forms, all that stuff. I was getting paid £3.50 an hour. It was rough. You know? <laughs> Half my wages for a week were going on the train. I was getting into work in the first place. That was £120 a week. But you know what happened when every time that, that I got some money, it got deposited in my account at the end of the month. It was the last Thursday of the month. I would, look at, I would be able to go, I've earned every single penny of that £120 a week that I've worked for. And you know, I felt it. And sometimes we can be like that. You know, sometimes we can be people who feel like we deserve all the money and the possessions we have. But kind of like... I, you can kind of be like, I've worked hard for this car. I've worked hard to pay for this house. I've worked hard for the phone that I own. Or I've worked hard to provide for my family. I've worked hard to keep my body fit so that I'll be healthy. I've been eating quinoa and avocados for days. <laughs> you know? But I want to say that you have nothing that God has not given you. And this should be such a huge release for you. you know, and this is why I said the first principle of, sort of being able to be sort of winning financially, glorifying Jesus with your finances is this, is know the owner. Do you know the owner of everything that you've got? He's got he's everything. You know, if you know that God owns everything, it means that when your car breaks down, you go, God, your car's broken down. You know? You know, you know when your family's right getting on your nerves... You're going, your family, Lord, come on, sort them out. Your mother-in-law, no, I'm just, I haven't got a mother-in-law, so I don't know why I say that. You know, when your health isn't working, God, my body, what's, what's, what's going on? And I'm not saying that God's going to give you uh, a new body or a new car or even uh, a new family. Or, but what, what, we, so what I'm saying is that, you know, we, this, this is a rental system. We are renting what, what God is. You know, if you go into somebody's house and something breaks, if, you, if, if I'm renting, say that dad owns a house and I'm renting from him, if something breaks, you know, that it's, he's the owner. He's responsibility to fix it, you know? And so there's sometimes there's stuff in our life that breaks a little bit and actually we need to bring it before God and stop trying to fix it on our own because it's not working. You know, so we can hoard sometimes. I don't know if you know, often we like to kind of go, it's mine, my precious. And as I, I've, earned, I've earned this car. I've earned this nice, shiny uh, new thing I've bought, this PlayStation. But, you know, actually, let's stop passing off this stuff as our own because that's pride and that's really dangerous. Psalm 100, I'm going to read verses 2 and 3. It says, acknowledge that the Lord is God and he made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. You know, I think that when we begin to know that we start from that place of who God is as our provider and we begin to know that what, all we have is his, we can only stir up gratefulness within us. You know, when you look at yourselves and you go, oh, well, this has just not kind of been enough and I haven't really got enough here. You, there's no gratefulness there. When you understand that every single blessing that you've got in your life, put your hand up here if you've got a roof over your head when you go home from church. Blessing. Yeah? Look at your house as a reminder of the provision that God gives you. Look at the food of the, as a reminder of the nourishment that he's got for you. Every time you go to, to a, a, a till and you pay cash across, thank God that you've got enough money to be able to buy whatever you're buying. It's going to bless you. Yeah, even if that's like a Twix or a Kit Kat. Every time you go to and you swipe your card across the machine and then you realize it's over £30 and you have that mad panic of trying to remember what your pin code is. 
Does anybody else do that? No. I was going to tell the story of um, an old woman in the Old Testament um, who, with jaws, but I think the dad already nicked that earlier. So, <laughs> but you know, the, the kind of that, that story is like an old woman. She comes um, to the man of God, Elisha, and she, her husband had previously served Elisha, and she says, "Look, I'm in a bit of trouble. My creditors are on my back." Basically, it means that the people who who she owes money to are saying, "Look, either you pay up, or we're going to steal your sons and, and uh, have them as what's well, not steal. We're going to take your sons and have them as slaves." And kind of she. A lot, the first thing Elisha says to her is like, what have you got? What have you got? Get that. And then begin to fill it. You know, get as much capacity as you have. And maybe you come today and you kind of go, I haven't got that much. I haven't got that much. I literally I feel like I'm on my last jar of oil, Josh. You don't know. But I want to say that God is, write this down, God is in the business of making the not enough enough. Yeah? God is in the business of making the things that are not enough, the things, the one jars of oil. He's going to make it enough. And he's not just going to make it, what does he do? He doesn't just make it enough for her to survive that day. He abundantly blesses her. You know, that stuff, that's going to be, that is, she's going to be able to pay off all her creditors. She's going to be able to live more comfortably now. And you know, this is what Jesus does, you know. When, when God sent his son, Jesus, to die for us, we, we were not enough. You know, in all our trying, in all our striving, we've tried, and I, 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 every single person in this room, you know, you tr- probably tried it your own way. And you've tried to kind of sort of get rid of this stuff that kind of stops you from being free. You know, this what we call sin. This stuff that kind of enslaves you. And God sent his own son that when you were not enough, he was enough. You know, that when you were wrong, he's more right than you've ever been wrong. You can't be more wrong than how Jesus made you right. Matt 6, 33, I read it already, but it says, Seek the kingdom above all else. Live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. First principle of having life-winning finances. Know your owner. Know this, that today, he's going to be enough. Yeah? You know that tomorrow, he'll be enough. Next week, he's going to be enough. And sometimes, don't get caught up in what you don't have. Because you have enough when you have God, yeah? First principle. Tell the person next to you, I say, speak to the person on your left and say, he's enough for today. And if, on the, if you're the person on the left, say back to them, he's enough for tomorrow. Go on, a bit of interaction. Keeps, it keeps us all fresh, doesn't it? He's enough. He's enough. State sort of second principle uh, that I think that we can kind of get out of this uh, in terms of learning how we can sort of like glorify Jesus financially and have life winning finances is this is get your heart right you know when, whenever you talk about money maybe I'm t- a little bit that I'm talking about money now and kind of it's like often that there's a little bit of that ouch feeling isn't there and sometimes there's a stigma in church when we talk about money it's kind of a whoa 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 I'm all good with everything else but you talk about my money it's like stay away Stay away. Let's get a hard. I think that we can. We should be people who be able to talk about this stuff. You know, I'm going to read um, Matthew six uh, one through to four, and it says this: Watch out! Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing the trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth: they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to somebody in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. 
Jesus is speaking into a culture. There's two major sects of Judaism at the time. You've got the Sadducees and you've got the Pharisees. The Sadducees are the guys who they're very rich. They hold a lot of the high places. They kind of sit on the Sanhedrin. They kind of, they're, they're, they're very elitist in what they are. They, they've chummed up with Rome a little bit so that they're kind of, they're enjoying all the prestige that comes with that. But they're hated by the common people because they kind of see, the common people kind of see them and go, well, you're living in these big houses. We're just, we've got nothing, you know. And then you've got the Pharisees. And these guys, um, these guys are the guys that Jesus spends a lot of time talking to, often because the Sadducees don't really get involved until Jesus starts causing trouble in Rome and threatening what they have. And so the Pharisees, these guys, they, kind of, they, they have the laws of, of Moses that they stick to, but then they've added on this oral, oral tradition, which is essentially rabbis who previously have spoken stuff, they've kind of added to. And so what they've made it is that people, anybody who wants to become righteous has to follow so many rules. And it, and it basically makes, it makes the, the people kind of just assume this legalistic view of their religion. And I wonder if you're here, and maybe you've got a bit of a legalistic view of religion today. And actually, when Jesus comes, he challenges, he says, look, it's not about rules. He says, look, you're giving to people, you're, you're giving to people, but where's your heart? Come on, that's what's important. It's your heart. They were, they were so selfish. They were, they were finding poor people in front of a crowd and going, is this man, he looks to be poor, I will help him. As, he look, as they look around at all the people kind of watching them, you know, literally blowing their own trumpets. D.L. Moody was a famous pastor evangelist, and he said, God sends no one away empty, ready, except those who are full of themselves. Yeah? Are you full of yourself this morning? Apologies for being brash. Are you full of yourself this morning? I, uh, I, I, I uh, have iPhones. Um, I know there's probably, there may be better phones. You might dispute me on what the best phone is. We won't get into that now. Um, but the, I, I have an iPhone, and I don't know if before the iPhone have updated now. They've got small charger ports, haven't they? But previously, they used to have kind of, kind of quite long ones that used to come up to about there. And I, uh, I, I wonder, my phone stopped working. I couldn't every time I plugged it into charge, it was like kind of saying it was charging, but then just wouldn't charge, or it just wouldn't charge at all every time I plugged it in. So I went to the Apple store, uh, took it to this, went up to the desk, a little guy in a blue T-shirt. Um, I said. Oh, I can't get my phone to charge. Literally, this is what he does. It was, the mo- it was kind of frustrating because I was like, oh, well, this is so easy. He pulls out like a, what can only be described as the end of a paper clip kind of thing. And it's, and he, and it's, it's a little bit more than that. But he's like, kind of gets, digs it into the bottom of the phone. And he pulls out just this fluff. You know the sort that you get in your belly button? He's like, he, he's, and he, he, pulls, he, he, pulls, he pulls out all that. You know what I'm talking about. We're not, we're not holy enough. It's not, we're not holy enough here not to have belly button fluff. But, you know, he pulls out, he pulls out this, um, this fluff and he sticks it straight into charge straight away. Beam! Starts charging. And our lives can be like that. Our hearts can be like that sometimes. We're actually, there's fluff that's stopping God being able to get in and do what he needs to do. There's, there's fluff that's stopping us being able to be charged up. And our, that, that stuff might be, that fluff may be for you. It may be your money. It may be the stuff, it may not be your money. These, these are just kingdom principles. I'm relating them to money, but they're just kingdom principles. You know, so what fluff, is you kind of, what fluff have you got in your heart that you need to, to, I want to encourage you today. Today's a chance where God just wants to say, let me come and clean the fluff. Let me get the paper clip out. It charged up. It charged up. You know, um, Han kind of talked last week about sort of that bit in Matthew 5 where it kind of says, if you're angry with somebody, it's basically just as bad. You're going to receive the same judgment 
as if you kill somebody. It's about the heart. You know, it's about the heart. I wonder what your, kind of, your master is in this stuff. You, you know what your master is? It's stuff that when it cools, you come running. You know when you've got a dog and you say, well, I say this for most people, our dog doesn't cooperate on this basis. You say, our dog's called Lucy, so I'm not showing anybody called Lucy here. Lucy! She's at the end. What should happen is the dog starts running back. That isn't what happens with our dog, but most people it does, you know. And it kind of that's what we're like. We're a bit like, we're a bit like Lucy. Like when our, God is, our should be our master, and he calls us. Sometimes we run away because there's other stuff that's calling us on the other side, you know. We see stuff of the allure of money. We see the stuff of the allure of satisfaction in the world, and you won't find it there, you know. Who's your master? Man looks at the outside, God looks at the heart. He's not looking at your watch, your car, your house. He's looking at your heart. You know, if God has your heart, he's got your money. You know, he's got your money. If he's got your heart, he's got your money. That means that when you go buy big stuff, that when you're buying, you're investing something big, you're, you're, gonna, you're buying houses, you're buying cars, it means that he should be involved in those decisions, you know? That he should be involved in those decisions. In Luke 9, Jesus says to a man, he says, come and follow me. And the man's like, cool, yeah, cool. Jesus, I'm going to follow Jesus. Just let me bury my dad, though. And Jesus says, Tim spoke of this the other week. He says, let the, bed, the dead bury the dead. You know what the man means? Tim kind of touched on it a couple of weeks ago. The man says, Jesus, yeah, I'll follow you when I've got my inheritance. You know, I'll follow you when my, my finances are in order. Then I'll follow you. Then I'll follow you. And Jesus said, come on, follow me now. Not when you've retired and you're sitting cushy in a, in a nice luxury villa in Spain or, or Portugal or Bognor Regis. <laughs> he doesn't need your money, you know. He, he doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your talents or lack of. He just needs your heart. You know, it's not about talent, it's about heart. If he doesn't have your money... He doesn't have your heart. If you're spending stuff, your money on, and you look at, when you look at your bank statement, you're seeing all this stuff go through, and you're kind of going, this is selfish, 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 selfish. There's st- of course there's st- stuff, but if you're, if you're going out, I want to ask you, maybe you're playing golf three times a week, you're driving a flash car, you live in a big house, but when you get into church and you hear the tithes and offerings come around, you're like, ooh, no, I don't have the money for that. don't have the money for that. I know it's posh, but come on, where's your heart at? Where's your heart at? I mean... This is, this is cool. Like, if, if there's no room for God in your expenditure, you can't expect there to be room for God in your income. You know, if, if you aren't investing into, the king, into kingdom things, if you're not expect, investing into the things of God, but you're expecting him to pay you next week's rent, come on. Come on, he wants to be in both sides. He wants to bless you, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that if you play golf or you like to buy things, or that you, that you shouldn't enjoy the blessings that God's given you. I'm just saying, what's the heart? Where's the heart? This is what Jesus says. He says, where's your heart at? You know, when you get your heart aligned with the Father, that recalibration, you know, there's, you can't help but have finances that honor God. You can't help but have lives that honor God because it starts at the heart. Life winning principle for far finances too. Let's get our hearts right. Yeah? Oh, this is my favorite one. I'm so excited about this. This is, this is, this is where we, we really start. We've just been building up now. We've just been building up. Uh, fi- final winning principle um, of, of having sort of finances that glorify Jesus is this. Invest into eternity. Invest into eternity. You know, we kind of live in a culture that's all about the temporary. 
If you buy this, you'll, certain feel, you'll feel a certain way. And actually, it's a culture that feeds you live according to your feelings, you know. You should do what you want, when you want to do it, how you want to do it. No, that's, that's not right. That, that is rubbish. That is, that is your living in the temporary. The world will say, if you don't do that, if you don't live like that, do what you want, when you want, how you want it, you're denying who you really are. That's not true. That's not true. It's, the temporary stuff will come and go. The feelings will come and go. Build your life on what stands forever. God, the words of God. What he's speaking into your life, his promises. You know, uh, whether you like it or not, we are eternal beings, you know. We, our, our lives, don't, they, don't, they don't stop here in this, in this temporary life. They go on. There's a life. If you accepted Jesus, there's a life of partying ahead of you when you get into eternity. There is a life of singing, of dancing, of feasting. There's going to be so much food. Come on. It's gonna, isn't it? Nobody's passionate about the food in heaven. It's going to be the best thing ever. Bit of a quick theological question. Will there be ba- bacon in heaven? don't know. Well, but there better be. No, I'm not. <laughs> but is anybody else excited about eternity? Put your hand up if you're excited. I'm excited about getting there. Come on. The best investments that you ever make in the temporary will just fade away. You know? Your favorite pair of jeans, your newest car, whatever it is, it will fade away. Read with me Matthew 16. I'm still in this same passage. It's all in Matthew 6. Matthew 16, 19 to 21. I'll give you some time. 6, Matthew 6, 19 to 21. It says, everybody there? Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Invest into eternity. And like I said, like there's stuff that will fade away. There is stuff that will fade away. Your car, your house, your situation will fade away. Your 2018 World Cup sticker book. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, every youth after a Friday is kind of, well, that's one of my, kind of, it's really down, that's when I can really kind of relax, so I carry a little bit of responsibility on my Friday program. But then once we finish youth, kind of, I can kind of in, relax. So me and Chloe, we sort of kind of said, oh, we'll watch The Office together. So we went around to co-op and sort of kind of supplied up on some snacks. Uh, and I don't know why the supermarkets do this. On the way out, there was this sticker book, this 2018 World Cup sticker book. And I think I did what any 21-year-old male adult would do. I picked up the book and took it straight to the self-scanner, yeah? And I got to the, I picked up a couple of packs of stickers because obviously needed, needed them. I got to the thing, I got to, <laughs> I got to the self-scanner and literally I was like there, you know that, that boop, you put, it on the, you put it on the please scan here, scan items here, yeah? Boop, put it there. It was too light to recognise it. And so I was like, oh no, this is not, not going to be, I have to call somebody over. I tried two tilts, didn't work, I called somebody over. I said, excuse me, could you, uh, <laughs> could you help me uh, scan these 2018 World Cup stickers through? Uh, she come, this, is, this is like a woman in her mid-40s, 50s. She comes over. I said, I'm 21, by the way. Um, I don't know why I said that, but I felt like, <laughs> I, don't th- I don't think that helped my cause. I think if anything, it worsened it. I, I, I just, for some reason, felt like, I, yeah, I am a, a, I'm an adult. Um, but she, uh, she comes over with one of these things, I don't know what it is, but it locks in the machine, apparently it makes it work. Anyway, she couldn't get it working, he was too light, so she's like, Jean! So then another woman comes over, there's about four of us stood around a till, trying to scan through four packs of stickers. 
and I'm a 21. I eventually got up to the till uh, and it managed to work. But I walked out feeling so embarrassed. <laughs> so embarrassed. But, you know, even that sticker book, as much as I loved coming back and sort of sticking them all in, it was a bit too much, to be honest. I, for a 20, it shouldn't be that much joy for, for a 21-year-old man. I love sticking those in. I, I'm very particular about the things. Chloe asked me if she could put one, and I was like, mmm. But it's going to fade away. You know, it's going to fade away. And every, everything that we have in the temporary will fade away. You know, the thing is, look around this room right now. Look around this room, and you see stuff. There's temporary stuff everywhere. You know, there's temporary stuff. There's this building, these lights, uh, the good looks of the person next to you. They'll fade away. But actually, you know one thing that won't? There's one thing that won't. It's the souls in this room. The souls in this room will not fade away. You know, when you invest into eternity, you're investing into people. Come on, you want to invest into eternity? You invest into people around you. You want to have live, life, life-giving finances? Sort of life-winning finances? Invest into the people around you. Buy them coffee. Sit down, chat with them. The people that don't know Jesus, you know? Buy them a meal. Take them out for dinner. Pay for their fuel. Give them random gifts. I was 13 years old when I started playing drum, drums here at church. And I, I don't... I don't I, I, this, this story is just stay with me, and it's a testament to what happens when you invest into people. Is that I played drums, I, I was 13, I was terrible. I was absolutely terrible, honestly. I could play one beat, it didn't matter what the song was, if it was fast or slow, I was playing the same. I was, I was playing the same, the same beat. And I got down at the, at the end of that, that, that set, of, set of doing it, and I kind of just walked around. And this, this older woman came up to me, and she kind of did that thing that happens in church sometimes that kind of like slips a tenor into my hand. I said, what's this? And she said, I just want to bless you for playing the drums today. Ten pounds. Ten pounds. That was eight years ago. I've been in the band eight years worshipping. Not just because of the ten pound, but because some, <laughs> some, some... I've never been paid to play drums since then. I, I, that was... That was I, I walked away going, oh, this is going to be great. Every week I'm, I'm going to play some drums. Somebody's going to slip a tenor or a fiver into my pocket. It's, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. So if you're thinking of taking up the drums for the money, it's not about that. But I want to tell you that actually what she did is invested into me. Ten pounds, she would have forgotten about it. It was eight years ago. I can't even remember what I spent it on. But I remember the ten pounds. I remember the investment she made into me. Invest into eternity. Invest into the people's lives around you. Do you want to give me a hand, Matt, with this rope? I've got a bit of a, I'm, a, I'm quite a simple man. And I love things that are very simple and, and kind of oh, analogies that kind of really, really work for me because I, I want to see stuff. I want to see stuff on how it works. Yeah? It's not tug of war. But you know, this rope here, this represents eternity. I want to give you an idea of scale here. This bit of tape on the start of this rope represents where we're at now. And we live our lives so often going, we st- if we're starting here, we're going across. Once I get to here, I'll be good. Once, once I've got my retirement plan sorted, I'll be good. Once I've paid for my son's or my daughter's university tuition, I'll be good then. But Jesus is saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Look at this. If you, live your, if you see your circumstances here, that you're going through tough times, they look bigger. And when you look at them in the light of eternity, pull it out, Matt. Pull it out. Come on. You've got to just shout. That's, that's all right. That's like good like that. Look. 
That's your life. That there is a situation you're going through. Look at your situations. Look at your finances in the light of eternity. Because when you understand that, then you understand the principles of being able to give better. You, you understand the principles of, this is just, like I said, this is a principle. This is not just finance related. This is just everything. That when you understand that you live from an eternal mindset, oh, you're going to be so different. You're going to be so different when you see the full scale of the picture. You know why God sometimes doesn't give you the answers you want? Because he looks at that and you don't. You look, at, you look at the situation that you're in, you can't see it. But when God looks at it, he's looking at the whole picture. He's looking. When you get to eternity, we're just going to dance, we're going to sing. We're going to have a massive party. And the thing is, there's people that need to be invited to this party. You know, your, your, your colleagues, your friends, your family who don't know Jesus yet, they, are gonna, they, they could potentially miss out on what is, what is the best part. If you, if, let's talk about it in the natural. If somebody you know is throwing the biggest party ever, and it's going to be fun, you know it's going to be good. You know it's, it, there's going to be so much stuff going on. Everybody who goes is going to enjoy themselves. You know the guy who's like getting everybody in, yeah? Wouldn't you be telling your friends, going, look, there's an open invite. Like, he is inviting everybody. You need to get to this party. It's going to be the best thing you ever do. But often, this is what, we, this is what, we, this is what we've got access to. We have got an invitation to the biggest party ever. And yet we sit on it. And we sit on it and we say, yeah, I'm in. Woo! It's good for me. And the person sits next to you doesn't know. Where's their invite? Where's their invite? If you don't, you know, this is really harsh, but if you don't take this seriously, you have, you have the eternity of people's fate on your hands. This is serious stuff. Jesus doesn't muck around. Invest into eternity. Let's recap. We started off um, with, with the kind of the upward principle. We started off with knowing God. Second, we started off, well, we, we kind of went on to dealing with the heart. You know, it starts with God first, upward, inward. Let's deal with what's going on inside. Outward, let's invest into eternity to eternity and I don't know uh, your story I don't know your story I don't know what, 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 you're, what you're doing here and how you've got here but maybe there's a couple of you Hill, do you want to help me out maybe there's a couple of you and you, you, you've kind of this might be one of the first times you've ever come to church um, and, but you kind of just feel like, like this stuff that I'm saying is kind of just sitting on you and you're kind of going I don't really know I don't understand everything that you said Josh you've made a couple of jokes that not many people have laughed at and, but I kind of, just something that, that is capturing my heart here. And I want to tell you that ca- thing that's capturing your heart is the love of God. We said it's so reckless. It's so big. And it's for you. It's for you. And if you don't know the love of God in your heart, you don't know who your God is. You don't know that first stage of the upward where you know the owner. You don't know him. You don't know this guy who's got the invita- who's got the, who's given out open invites to the biggest party ever. You don't know him. I want to say today, this morning is your opportunity to get yourself in to eternity. I'm not just talking about, look, it's not just about heaven or hell. Let's not get stuck there. This is, eternity starts right now. I'm living eternity now because I've got Jesus inside my heart. I'm not, I'm not stuck on the temporary. When you, when you don't have Jesus, you're stuck. It's like a ceiling. You can't go any further. When you live from eternity, you're free. You're free. And so maybe that's you. And you're like, I don't know this. Maybe you've never become a Christian before. Maybe you've been a Christian 441 times. I don't care. Today could be your chance if God's impressing on your heart. 
Will you close your eyes and bow your head to me? I'm going to say a prayer. And if that's you, I want you to pray with me. And then I'm going to ask you to do something brave at the end. Father, I don't understand everything. I don't understand all the ins and outs of what it means to be a Christian, God. But I know that you're just working on my heart now. I know that you're starting something in me. Jesus, I'm sorry for the times where I've got it wrong. I'm sorry for the times where I've had that fluff that's kind of got in the way. Will you come and clean me out? Will you take your place in my heart? Will you be my king? And if you did that with every eye and head bowed, will you do something really brave for me? I want to make a decision. You can do it in your heart, but there's a response required to it because there's an outward stage as we've gone through. If that was you, if you said that prayer in your heart, and you want to go, actually, yeah, I'm saying that. For the first time, for the 431st time, will you raise your hand right now? Only me is going to see. If that's you, don't miss your chance, guys. This is so important. I won't labour. I've got, as I was preparing this message, um, I kind of feel... Um, I'm just going to do something first. This, we just keep your heads bowed for a second. Holy Spirit, we just come and work here. Holy Spirit, you just begin to fall right now on us as a congregation. Father, we just want to meet with you. We just invite. We have open hearts to know what you want to do right now. I've got these words as I was preparing, and maybe they're for you. They're very specific, and they might be just me, but please, just if, if this kind of resonates with your situation, will you weigh this up? Will you pray? I felt like there may be somebody here uh, particularly a guy who'd, who's maybe bought a motorcycle in the last two or three weeks, maybe a month. But it's not sitting well with you anymore. You know, you, when you, when the, you made the purchase, there was resistance to it. You know, maybe a spouse or maybe somebody that you cut in your family, somebody you know was kind of saying, look, this isn't probably the best purchase of your money. And I feel like actually, but you wanted the bike, you know, you really wanted the bike, so you pushed through and got it. I feel God's just saying to you, you know what you need to do. You've got to take it back to the garage. I know it's specific. If that's you, will you, come, will you, will you pray about it? And then will you act on what God's telling you? I've got another, I've got another one. Um, I felt there was a couple here and uh, you, you've been um, saving money. And um, I, I got in my head like a number like around 20,000, but that might just be wrong. So... Um, I felt like you've, you've been saving money, but you're not really sure why you've been saving that money. You haven't got like a purpose for it. You haven't been saving it for any sort of set reason. Um, I, just, I just had this impression, I felt this quite strongly, that actually God is uh, wanting to say to you that he's got a kingdom cause he wants you to invest that money into. That he's going to begin to place on your heart a person or a project, a kingdom person or a kingdom project that you're going to begin to invest into. So if that's you, please weigh it up. Please kind of see kind of if, 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 if that's right, if that sits right with you. But then act on it because God's word is transformative and it will free you. Maybe, um, maybe you've been a Christian a long time. And I, I want to finish here. Do you want the rest of the band to come up? Can you, can you do um, Reckless Love for me, Alicia? There's a coming to church a long time. We know kind of what it looks like to come to church and sit in the pews and tick the boxes and look cool. But I feel this the significance that when I spoke about that story of the fluff in the Apple store, 
there's, there's things in your life that have become fluff. There are things in your life that are stopping that charging up, that connection. You're going, Josh, I haven't connected with, with I feel like I haven't connected with the Holy Spirit in maybe two months, three months, six months, a year, five years, however long it is. I want to say that this morning, Holy Spirit wants to encounter you again. He has got a paperclip ready. He's ready to remove the stuff that's been standing in the way, but you've got to have an open heart and a willingness to do it. And so if that's you, I'm going to ask you to stand. Is anybody, does that resonate with anybody? Come on. Anybody else? If you feel like there's stuff that's stopping you in the way, you just, you, you, can't, you can't, there's a sight now. There's something now that is on your mind and you go, ah, oh, and there's a battle in your flesh and your spirit. If that's you, come on, stand. Let's be free right now. Anybody? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Holy Spirit, come. If there's a person around you, we start to pray for them. Just, just jump up. If you love Jesus and you've got, you've got hands to put on people, that qualifies you for praying. And as we sing this song, the reckless love of God, I pray that every area that kind of feels a bit fluffy, that's kind of become, is blocking us, that the reckless love of God will come and He's going to begin to move that stuff out. He's going to, he's going to begin to come and He's going to begin to move that stuff away. Thanks, guys.